Hello, and welcome to Law, the Universe, and Everything. I'm your host, Pacifico Soldati. The show explores topics from law and business to consciousness, spirituality, and everything in between. We feature accomplished leaders across many fields to help you get more out of your life. You can learn more and stay up to date at theluepodcast.com. If you're not familiar with my background, I'm a helper, parent, marketer, attorney outlaw, certified mediator, story brand guide, omnist, yoga teacher, and a former paratrooper and award-winning army chef at the 82nd Airborne Division and U.S. Army Special Operations Command. I'm the founder and CEO of the Soldati Group, a marketing agency helping startups, small businesses, and law firms leverage the power of story to grow their businesses. Law, Universe, and Everything is a production of the Soldati Group. All opinions expressed by the hosts and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of the Soldati Group or guest employers. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only, and these discussions do not constitute legal or investment advice. Today's episode is brought to you by Prosperitas, an animated video agency that can help you bring your company's ideas, values, products, and messages to life with the power of engaging videos. Whether you strive to win more customers, engage, or educate your audience, Prosperitas will craft each video specifically targeted to fit your brand and vision. Visit prosperitasagency.com today to learn more. That's P-R-O-S-P-E-R-I-T-A-S agency.com to find out how Prosperitas can create the best videos your company has ever had. My guest today is Dean Palos. Dean is a chemical engineering graduate of The Ohio State University. His vision directed the Highway Beacon's innovative technology into a commercially viable product. Dean led the Highway Beacon product development process and is the named inventor on Road Vision Technologies product patents. He maintains key relationships in the transportation and safety industries in both the U.S. and Canada. Dean has served middle and major market companies in new product and process design, specification, procurement, and installation procedures. Dean's industrial passion was birthed in his family's machine shop back in Ohio. Thank you so much for joining me today, Dean, and welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Pacifico. Appreciate it. Absolutely. So you have a really incredible technology uh, you've invented to help with driving safety, transportation safety. Tell us a little bit about the Highway Beacon and how your idea for it came about. Okay. Uh, This all has to do with a very treacherous and deadly uh, driving hazard that everybody who drives a car has experienced at some point all too often. And that is driving at night when it's dark in the rain. The it, driving at night in general is uh, much more hazardous than daytime driving. In fact, while only 25% of the total miles driven by drivers are driven at night, over 55% of the fatalities occur at night. So uh, right there, it's a, a huge, uh, much more dangerous uh, situation. But when you add rain into the mix, it really becomes a very treacherous situation because uh, most of the roads in this country do not have uh, road uh, raised road reflectors. And because of this, uh, during a night rain, the road in front of you becomes virtually invisible, especially the uh, lane delineation striping. The water layer covers over the striping and rendering, rendering them essentially invisible to the driver. So you have, uh, and this is going on right now around the world, there are millions of people driving uh, at night in the rain and can't really see where they're going. And it's a, a very, yeah, very dangerous situation. 
and unfortunately, a very deadly situation. In the United States alone, we have 20,000 fatalities a year. Almost a little over half of the total fatalities are due to accidents that involved either uh, inadvertent lane change or running off the road. And while not all of them are strictly due to visibility issues, you can imagine a good percentage are, and unfortunately, a lot of a lot of accidents. So there are, like I said, thousands of fatalities, tens of thousands of serious injuries, and millions of accidents are created with these uh, run-off-the-road accidents. Now, the highway beacon is our solution to this. In the in the uh, Sun Belt, in California, the uh, Gulf Coast where they do not have rain or do not have snow, uh, they have uh, millions and millions of these raised reflective uh, uh, markers right on the pavement delineating the lanes of traffic. And the reason they work is they're, they are a reflective uh, surface that is raised high enough above the road surface to break through the water layer it's created during a rain situation. And your headlight beam bounces back to your eye. But most roads, over 75% of the roads in this country are in snow climates where where the roads are regularly snowplowed, and uh, snowplows will destroy anything that's raised above the road surface uh, rigidly, the reflectors that are currently deployed. So uh, we've developed really the first functional snowplowable uh, raised reflector. And ours is raised above the road surface, but it's spring-loaded. So when struck by a snowplow or a vehicle, it uh, depresses into the pavement and it pops right back up into position. And uh, this opens up just a huge market that has been sorely needing this, this kind of technology for many years. And uh, one of the things about our marker, and you know, we're not the first ones to come out with a, a snow plowable, but the, the prior products were all rigidly affixed. In an attempt to make them plow, they had to use such a low profile above the road surface that the, they became ineffective. They are ineffective during uh, night rain. One of the key guidelines uh, for these type of uh, devices is from the Manual of Uniform Traffic Control Devices. This is the, uh, this is the Bible, if you will, for uh, traffic control engineers and uh, people at uh, safety agencies, how to incorporate and deploy uh, safety uh, measures on the roads. And when it comes to raised pavement markers, it specifies in the manual that uh, they have to be a minimum of 0.4 inches above the road surface. And this is, uh, they determined this is the height that can break through a water layer during a heavy rain and still allow a reflective surface to be uh, effective to bounce back to your eye. The snowplowable markers that have been put out prior to this have all been way, way below that. Uh, the, the current ones are less than a tenth of an inch, and not even uh, close to uh, what you need to be visually effective during a heavy rain, where ours is a full 0.5 inches or even 25% than recommended. So very, very visible, even during a heavy rain, well down the road. And that's the whole key to the safety is how quickly you pick up where the lane is and how far down the road you pick it up is uh, what is the key to, uh, to safe, to, for the driver to go to safely uh, maneuver the roadway. Wow, that's fascinating. And so you've created a prototype. Is this ready to commercialize? Where are you at in, in that business phase? Yeah, so we've uh, developed this over done a lot of development work, extensive testing, and it is now uh, ready to commercialize. We are ready to begin uh, manufacturing and uh, all that's involved in uh, rolling it out to the market.
So that's our current situation, ready to commercialize, and we are looking to raise funds uh, to do that. Excellent. Do you have an idea of where you'd like to establish manufacturing operations for this? We're open. Uh, we're going to do contract. We're going to contract out most of the manufacturing. For, so we're a little flexible as far as location, wherever we can get uh, some good backing uh, in an uh, industrial, in, industrial and manufacturing friendly location. Uh, that's where we intend uh, to go. Uh, I've done a lot of work back in the Midwest in Ohio. That's certainly a, one of the top candidates. We like the Phoenix area as well. I think that'd be a, a very good place to uh, set up operations. But we're flexible wherever we can get some get the proper backing and uh, resources to to do this. Excellent. And so what sort of societal impact are you looking to have here? And it seems like this could definitely have a lot of, this seems like version 1.0 and, and you could evolve uh, what you're doing with this over the years to have it evolve with the transportation industry itself. Where do you see all that going and how big an impact? Considering that virtually everybody either rides or drives in a car, I think this has a pretty uh, wide ranging universal societal impact. Aside from the deaths, the accidents, the billions in uh, property damage that are that's created by these accidents, there's just a treachery of driving at night in the rain, not seeing where your death grip on the uh, steering wheel and just praying you get home safely. So we feel the uh, societal impact will be very great with just the, the reflector. And we're talking about just a huge market here, too. There are over 3 million miles of paved roadway in the United States alone. And these markers go every 40 feet on most roads and 80 feet on interstates, although interstates have multiple lanes. So you're talking just on a single lane road, 132 markers per mile. And on interstates, uh, uh, it'll be a multiple of that because of the uh, various lanes. So the numbers uh, get very huge, very quickly. In fact, uh, just doing a, a quick uh, breakdown, it would it would require over eleven billion dollars of our markers to do the uh, to reflectorize the United States one time. So it's a massive market that 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 needs this. And the State Departments of Transportation in these snow areas recognize this. They have spent literally hundreds of millions of dollars on prior products that uh, just don't work properly. There's the issue of the visibility I, I told you about earlier because they're, they're uh, too low in the ground. But the other big issue is durability and the damage they cause to snow plows and just the total incompatibility uh, with snow plow operations. So most states have either heavily curtailed the use of the existing products or completely discontinued their use and are looking for something. So it's not like uh, we need to convince these states uh, that this is an issue. They know it. They've spent hundreds of millions trying to fix it. And now they're totally underserved and need a product that works. So that's where, where we want to step in here. We feel this will have, again, universal societal impact and uh, really have a, uh, a major impact on highway safety for years to come. Um, so yeah, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to ask. So with the rise of self-driving vehicles, you already have ones that are using computer vision. So it would seem that right now it would already help any car that's using computer vision. And then theoretically, you could add some sort of like IoT features or something where they're actually like these beacons could be interacting with self-driving vehicles. Well, that's right. In fact, we have uh, patents, another set of patents to incorporate a lot of those features you're talking about. 
But just the uh, base product, the first product, the reflector, will have will dramatically aid the uh, self-driving vehicles because, like you said, the camera systems uh, need to pick up the lane stripes right now, much like the human eye does. And when it rains and a water layer covers the uh, striping, they're having difficulty picking it up. But they have to do the uh, algorithms around picking up paint stripes because on most of the roads, that's all that's there. So it's an issue. If they knew they could have reflectors uh, on most of the roads, they could rewrite the uh, algorithms for the uh, these camera guidance systems and be much more effective. In fact, I see it. I have a car with uh, lane departure warning which, uh, again, picks up on the, uh, the lane stripes and works great if you start flowing out of your lane. It kicks you back in. Yet I notice when it rains at night, that doesn't work nearly as well. Lots of times it'll just let me cross over the lane because it's not picking up the striping. So, yeah, we can have a big impact on those future products. And then also, as you said, we can incorporate uh, transmitters, uh, sensors, uh, cameras into the marker, too, for not only the self-driving cars, but certain smart city applications, too, that will be coming down the road. So it has a, a lot of potential besides just the, the reflector, reflective marker. Oh, I love that. And so is this something that in terms of job creation, like obviously you'd be creating a lot of jobs just in, in the manufacturing of it, but I'm wondering... Is this something that can just be installed by any random road work crew? Or is this something you would need specialists to be hired or contracted out by your company to then make a national fleet to get this installed across the country? It's yes and no. In small numbers, this can fairly pretty easily be a place in the, into the road if you're just trying to do a couple of them. A standard coring tractor can do it. But for the kind of numbers we're talking about, again, you're talking 132 per lineal mile. Uh, there's millions of miles that need to be reflectorized. You have to have an efficient way to put these in. How this typically works is the state will uh, put out a bid saying they want X number of uh, miles of this road done with this type of marker and put it out to bid and the winning uh, contractor will uh, get the bid. And we will work with them to make sure they're putting it in properly. And one of the things we want to do is develop, we will develop a two-truck installation system to put these in very quick. First truck coming uh, with the uh, drilling apparatus, and the uh, second truck will have the uh, adhesive and the markers so that these can put in, be put in very quickly. And, and then uh, specialty contractors will, uh, will have those. So we're going to offer, we will be building ourselves uh, several sets of these so for the early adapters, we can rent them or offer them the, the equipment so they can uh, put these in. We don't want that to be an obstacle for the, the deployment of these things and the adoption of them. So that's uh, one thing we'll be doing. But we've got it all laid out and we'll be... Uh, oh, that's fantastic. And uh, again, uh, as far as job creation, yes, we'll be, uh, we'll be uh, creating dozens, if not hundreds of uh, heavy manufacturing jobs and also the uh, management positions and what have you. So wherever we locate, it's going to be definitely a boon to that, uh, that area's uh, economy. Uh, and also creating uh, hundreds of installation jobs around the country to put these things in. So, yeah, a lot of, aside from what the business is going to do, a lot of uh, economic impact outside of, outside of the, the company as well. Excellent. So, Dean, how has a failure or an apparent failure set you up for later success? And do you have a favorite failure? A favorite failure. I have to think about that one. But it's all very educational. You learn a lot uh, very quickly, especially <laughs> 
when you're in the an entrepreneur in the fundraising mode, that's where a lot of the a lot of the education comes in. Tough to get to learn about that before you experience uh, a lot of the uh, trials and tribulations of fundraising and the yeah the economics of of a startup. Oh yeah, there's a lot of no's to get a yes. Certainly are, and. What seems like a logical approach often isn't uh, what you need to be doing. So you learn from that too. Mm, indeed. So Dean, what are one to three books that have greatly influenced your life? I'd have to say Atlas Shrugged by Ayn Rand is probably one of the biggest ones. And, and uh, Fountainhead, just tremendous, uh, tremendous blue, and great stories uh, aside, but a almost a, a blueprint for how society could and should work. And unfortunately does not. So those were, uh, yeah, a couple of very big ones for me. And I just confirm a lot of beliefs and, uh, just wishes. <laughs> those are the kind of things that should be universally digested by the populace, but is not, unfortunately, but those were uh, very influential. So if you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say? And why? Don't judge people on things they have no control over. But you can be judgmental about things people do have control over. <laughs> That's a good caveat. <laughs> Which I think with what's going on in society today would be a good motto for most people. So Dean, what is one of the best or most worthwhile investments that you've ever made? And feel free to interpret the word investments as broadly as you like. Yeah, as an entrepreneur, you're looking for investors. So you don't really have the opportunity to do much uh, financial investing. So I guess it would just be investing the time to research other thoughts and uh, investing the time to continually check my premises to make sure I'm moving forward and thinking based on uh, proper information and proper premises. I think it's one of the big things people don't do. They continue along and their base premises are wrong and they never go back and reevaluate re those. And that is critical if you want to be on the right side of things. That's a good point. So how have you found mentors and advisors throughout your career? It's uh, been a little more difficult than I'd like. It's just been more of a, just in networking, finding some people every once in a while. You, you're uh, fortunate to uh, run into somebody that can uh, help you, but almost more importantly is uh, willing to help you. That's an area I would have liked to have had a lot more experience with earlier on. Would have been great. So in the last five years, what new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your life? In the last five, new behavior, maybe altering a behavior, a little uh, exercising more than I did probably in the five years prior. Yeah, right now it's probably, yeah. Yeah, something along those lines. Just uh, yeah, getting out there and getting some workouts in. For sure. So what advice would you give to a smart, driven high school or college graduate about to enter the real world? And is there any advice they should avoid? Oh, just be as open-minded as possible. And again, check your premises. But to do that, so we, I just see so much closed-mindedness and people are so self-assured in their thoughts. And you really need to just keep that brain pride open, take in 
a lot of information and be discerning as to what is real and what is not. Yeah, right now we're, there's a lot of uh, disinformation and yeah, just things that require a very open mind if you really want to be on the right side of things and be aware of what's really going on. So are there any quotes you think of often or live your life by? Quotes? Uh, not necessarily. I come up with my own from time to time, but uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I can't think of anything offhand at the moment. No worries. So who've been some of your heroes throughout your life and how did they help or inspire you? I'm not a big hero worshiper, but yeah, there've been some musicians and other people that have yeah been uh, fairly influential. Joni Mitchell, just the lyrics she has and what have you, I think are just incredible. So blows me away at the, the level of brilliance she has. Again, Ayn Rand, her insights into the world, just... Uh, Remarkable. Yeah, probably Jack Nicholas. I'm a golfer, so yeah, he's uh, definitely hero and uh, yeah, tremendous uh, career uh, looking at him. So a few people like that. Cool. Interesting. Very diverse list there. So what are some of the best lessons, most important lessons you've learned in your time as an entrepreneur? Learned them. I don't know if I'd be able to execute them, but just uh, remember... <laughs> You're, the whole, as an entrepreneur, to me, the fund, being able to have the funding to operate is just so critical. And the avenues for that can be difficult. That's probably my first advice is really be sure and you can have a great idea and a great market and what have you, but uh, you really need to have a source for being able to financially get that thing into market. And that's been our biggest uh, issue. And yeah, that's uh, the one thing out of... Uh, been much more cognizant of going in. Things don't always, it's not a meritocracy out there, unfortunately. It's much more about, uh, especially when it gets to funding, it's uh, just network as much as you can, get to know as many people in the financial areas as possible. And don't assume they're going to, because you've got a great product with a huge market, people are going to knock on your doors. They will not. Yeah, the sort of field of dreams model, if you build it, they will come, is uh, seductive, but not quite grounded in reality. Good for Hollywood, not for the uh, business world, however. Yeah. So I'd love to hear a little bit about your upbringing, working in the your family's machine shop and, and how that drove you into whether it was your chemical engineering degree or just your, your passion for industry. My dad was... Uh... I really looked up to my dad as far as heroes. He was, was one as well, as far as the drive to educate myself and be, and be innovative and also competent. But he had a, we had a machine shop back in Ohio, did custom grinding and precision grinding work. And just being around there, you get the entrepreneurial, I guess, uh, spirit. But dad had also, he had invented uh, some uh, products. So I was always uh, very interested in the uh, development of uh, new products and inspired from that way. And also uh, his experience was the genesis of, of the highway beacon. He was driving on a uh, rain-swept road one night, many decades ago, and didn't see the road in front of him and had a, a lane departure run off the road accident with another car. Nothing overly serious, but uh, harrowing enough where it got him to looking look at the uh, situation and got the idea started that some new type of reflector was needed and I took it and ran with it from there 
But I grew up in Ohio, went to Ohio State University, chemical engineering. And while I was doing that, working part-time at the uh, machine shop, it was uh, a very busy time. And um, sleep was at a premium. Engineering curriculums are very ridiculously time-consuming when try to, trying to work uh, part-time as well. as was a challenge, but also a very educational about getting stuff done and doing it the right way. Oh, definitely. Oh, it's pretty amazing that the Highway Beacon's genesis uh, goes back that far. Yeah, Dad had, uh, was an engineer. He'd been around the country. If I had, had relatives out in California, so he'd travel and he'd seen reflectors on the roads in California and Florida. And here, here he is in Ohio almost. And that's the irony of this, too. The places that have them, well, Florida gets a lot of rain, but here we have them in Southern California. And I think you got them in Arizona, too. And we're lucky if it rains 10 nights a year. Yet, they're still mandated because they're such a huge uh, safety benefit. Now, I'm from Ohio. It rains at least 100 nights a year. And most of the Midwest, the Northeast, these are the places you need this the most. And it's where they don't have. So it's yeah, uh, ironic that way, but also a driver for the, the marketing and sales of this thing. Yeah, that's pretty wild. So, Dean, this has been a great conversation, lightning conversation. Uh, it's been wonderful to hear about your technology and I, I wish you the best of success at getting that off because it definitely seems like such a fantastic thing that would, you know, save a lot of lives and make the roadway safer, especially before and even once we, you know, convert over to autonomous driving since it seems like it's going to have some uh, applications there. But this brings me to my final question of the day. And that is, what is the kindest thing anyone has ever done for you? Oh, it's probably some gestures and things were done when my parents died. Just some of the just gestures people did during a very difficult time. My mom died young, over 30 years ago. And I just remember some of the just nice gestures people extended to us. And same with my father about 20 years ago. So probably in, yeah. I'd be there. Those were the times you needed it the most. And I was very appreciative. Thank you so much for joining me today, Dean. It's been an absolute pleasure getting to speak with you. Thanks, Pacifico. Yes. Really enjoyed it and appreciate the opportunity. Oh, absolutely. Happy to do so. Today's episode was brought to you by Prosperitas, making unforgettable videos for unforgettable companies. Visit prosperitasagency.com today to learn more. Thank you so much to all of our listeners for tuning in to today's show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you found us so that others can find it as well. And follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the LUE Podcast or visit our website at theluepodcast.com. And if you'd like to support this show even further, I'd love to invite you to become a patron of the show. For as little as $5 per month, you can help us continue to produce high quality shows with amazing guests like you heard today. To become a patron, please visit patreon.com slash the LUE podcast. We look forward to having you tune in next time for the next episode of Law, the Universe, and Everything. I'm Pacifico Soldati, wishing you peace, love, and awesomeness. Yeah.